Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It was the interview heard around the world, and we're here to dissect it. Welcome to episode 15 of Podcast Royal. As promised, we are doing something a little different again today. No formal royal rundown, no lifestyle segment, just a breakdown of Sunday night's interview on CBS with Meghan, Harry, and Oprah. And my goodness, is there ever so much to say. When we decided to do a royal podcast, this is not what we signed up for. We never want to get caught up in the drama in the news, the he said, she said discussions, or having to comment on rumors lacking the whole story. We understand today's topic is a hot button issue, and we have a lot of new listeners tuning in to hear our take on this interview. And while we certainly appreciate our audience, we know with a large crowd comes a large range of emotions and opinions on the subject. Before we get started, I want to provide a little explanation of how we are going to approach this to be as fair as possible. We're going to try our very best to hit both sides of the story, sharing different viewpoints to provide a balance on this narrative. And we believe we can have a candid discussion and disagree on different issues while also being respectful of each other and honoring our friendship above all else. I say that because we want to set the example for our listeners and encourage everyone to have healthy conversations with your friends in a respectful and kind way. You never know what you might learn by listening to someone else. I love that. This is not a battle royale. This is two <laughs> friends who have opinions dissecting it. And like Jessica said, I hope we can model the way for how everyone approaches this very difficult situation to talk about. So first, before we dive in, there, <laughs> there are a couple of news items that now seem very much paling in comparison to the main mm -hmm. event. But I do want to quickly cover them before we get into the meat of the episode. And I just have a feeling that we really won't want to talk about these topics after we break down the Oprah interview. I am kind of expecting that Jessica and I are going to get off this recording kind of emotionally exhausted. 
honestly, that is how I have felt this entire week. We are recording this on Tuesday, March 9th. So it's been roughly 48 hours since the interview aired. And it has just been an emotionally exhausting week unpacking this. So let's start with a little bit of levity and a little bit of good news. So first up, I am happy to report the good news that the queen has reportedly gotten two new corgis to keep her company. And I mean, thank God for dogs, right? Like as we've made very clear, Jessica and I are both dog lovers. So, and then after his successful heart operation, Philip has been transferred back to London's King Edward VII Hospital and is resting. And although we've known this for a while, we talked about it on the podcast a few weeks ago, maybe even a month ago or more, Carol Middleton has officially confirmed that Pippa is pregnant with baby number two. And kind of just like steamrolling through this here, Beatrice, the first and so far only of the queen's eight grandchildren to be a step parent, spoke out about that experience. And a little bit of Megan news before we get into the real Megan news, Megan will be awarded a front page apology from the mail on Sunday as a part of her legal victory. And today, the episode drops on March 10th. That is also the 57th birthday of Prince Edward, Earl of Wessex. So happy birthday, sir. And that is the royal rundown. <laughs> that is the fastest royal rundown of all time. Do you have anything nice. you want to add on, <laughs> on the very brief royal rundown? Just have one quick question. Do we know how many corgis Queen Elizabeth has had in her lifetime? Oh my God. I mean, I don't have a number, but it is so many. I mean, she, she, she always gets corgis in multiple. And I mean, she's had, gosh, like five plus corgis at once sometimes. And then, you know, yes. honestly, I was really sad when her last corgi died because that kind of, it, 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 it felt very final, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, I'm so glad that, because everybody, look, everybody just needs a little fur love around the house. That's, that's just the facts. And, you know, dogs and cats or whatever your preference is, just make everything happier. And so this is, I mean, obviously this is a tough time for the queen, uh, even without the Oprah interview with her husband of, you know, 70 plus years in the hospital. And so having some little puppies around is magical, I think. Um, yeah, I just want our listeners to know, I, I did a quick Google search and it says, Google says she's had over 30 corgis. Uh, that doesn't surprise me at all. Cause she started <laughs> getting the corgis when she was a young girl. So this has been, you know, I, and you know, everybody has their preferences. Corgis are her thing. So power <laughs> to her, power to yep. her. Hopefully those corgis are um, comforting her this week because she's had a rough week and I have a feeling that there's more to come. Okay, so now into the main event, the Oprah interview. It was two hours of primetime TV on CBS last Sunday Reportedly, CBS paid a whopping $7 million for the event, although it is important to note that Harry and Meghan were not paid for this. Part of the interview was taped at their home in California, like the part with Archie's chick in, which is adorable. Mm -hmm. But the backyard scene where they were most of the time, which is gorgeous, by the way, was at a friend of Oprah's, she said on CBS this morning, and no, it is not Gail King's house. They pointed that out on, on the show. So before Sunday, reports surfaced alleging that Meghan bullied staffers at Kensington Palace 
and that she was gifted a pair of chandelier chopard earrings as a wedding gift from Mohammed bin Salman, who is Saudi Arabia's crown prince, who in October 2018, which is the same month that Meghan wore the earrings to a state dinner while on tour in Fiji, she wore them a second time to Prince Charles's 70th birthday party in November of that same year. He was being condemned for approving the murder of journalist Jamal Khashoggi. This is a very deep and intense issue. Yeah. The Crown, the Crown Prince gave the earrings to the Queen during a three-day visit to London in March 2018, which was two months prior to Harry and Meghan's wedding. And after these allegations came out, which happened, so if you'll remember, I went on vacation, which was, by the way, not at all a vacation because I was working the entire time. So, I mean, you know, like they're, you know, first world <laughs> problems, right? But um, we recorded the podcast last week on Monday night, and then these bullying allegations came out on Tuesday. So normally we would have covered it on last week's podcast, but we didn't because I was on vacation. So after these allegations dropped, Megan's friends came out in full force and her former co-stars as well. They went on social media to staunchly defend her. So I think that both of these allegations, the bullying and even more so the earrings felt like preemptive strikes from the firm. And I'm just gonna go ahead and so I'm gonna use two terms a lot tonight, the firm and the family. What I mean when I say those two terms, and they are very different, so please listen and understand what I'm saying. The firm are the senior aides, the courtiers, the palace staffers, the people whose names we don't know and faces we wouldn't recognize it likely if they pass us on a street, okay? So that to me represents the institution of the monarchy. Then we have the family, okay? So that's the queen and Charles and William and the people we know and we talk about on this podcast all the time. So when I say those terms, I need you to understand that the firm is not the family and the family is not the firm. I hope that makes sense. So what was I, where was I going with that? Oh, that the firm, it just felt very much like the firm was doing kind of, it felt like grasping at straws, honestly, just trying to pull up anything they could that was negative about Megan as a preemptive well, strike for last, or not last night, Sunday night. Yeah, I mean, I've seen claims that, that, um, you know, that people kind of felt that that's what they were doing. Um, but I did want to note that I think it was Jason Knauf actually filed former complaints, uh, formal complaints on bullying um, against Megan back in 2018. So I don't think that these claims were just all of a sudden made up. Um, I think maybe they came kind of out into the public ahead of this. Um, because they knew that all of this was going to, um, you know, they, they didn't know what was going to be said in the interview, but they yeah. felt, I guess, attacked by the interview. Um, and so I definitely think that it's not a coincidence that it came out right before that. But these were legitimate claims of bullying against Megan that were filed in 2018. So um, I don't know. Did you have any thoughts on that part? Um, that, that is an interesting point that you raise. And I, didn't think of it that way. I don't really dispute that the claims were made. 
but the again the timing of the release it just felt so obvious what was happening and again like i don't want to have to reiterate this to the, you listeners a hundred times like when i'm saying the firm i'm not talking about the people that we know and love i'm talking about people that like Jason, I don't even know who that person is. Jason, somebody. I think he was the head of communications at the time. And I, I want to say he works on um, one of Prince William's, uh, one of their initiatives at this point. Um, but so he, um, he, not him, and I'm not calling him out like specifically, but someone like him would be who I'm talking about when I talk about the firm. Am I, Jessica, am I making sense? Yeah. Okay. Um, the, so, what I read was he submitted these complaints formally to HR and HR never acted on them. They kind of swept them under the rug and nothing ever happened. Mm -hmm. um, so it seems to me like someone who worked for the palace at the time that maybe was involved in these claims, um, maybe helped kind of leak some of this. I don't know. My whole takeaway from this was the palace has a lot to deal with in the way of HR right now. Oh Look, oh my gosh, right? Like, yeah, so, I think that only further proves something I'll, I'm sure say many times later that reforms are absolutely necessary. Like whether you listeners like don't believe at all anything Harry and Megan said, or you believe every word they said, I think no matter where you stand, we can all agree that the institution of the monarchy, meaning the firm, meaning the aides, the courtiers, the staffers, something has to be reworked there. And if there was a complaint lodged, which I'm not disputing, then it should have been handled three years ago and not brought out into the public. It just felt like people were throwing people from the palace were throwing darts at a wall, you know, seeing what would stick. Mm -hmm. I, again, want to reiterate that because we're about to get into some serious topics right here. And I want to, again, pause and talk about the difference between the family and the firm. I'm going to nail this point home because I really think it's important. The family is made up of the people we know and can name, the people who make headlines. The firm is the senior aides, courtiers, staffers. I said this already. Um, the family is not blameless. I want you to hear me say that. But even as Harry and Meghan said in the interview, there are serious flaws within the institution of the monarchy. And while obviously it's not my place or Jessica's to lay out an action plan and next steps for the firm to take, I mean, if only we had that kind of power, there is a very real and obvious need for reform. And I just, I think for both of us, when I say we just want to see the British royal family thrive, and this is my opinion now, it seems as though the only way to do that to the best of its ability is to enact change and soon, but I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. So let's go back to Megan. She said the firm would lie to protect other members of the family, but wouldn't tell the truth to protect her. And to me, that sends off dinging alarm bells of Andrew. And of course, this is all speculation, but Megan did mention that the queen was always very supportive of her. She shared that sweet story about how her majesty covered Megan's knees with a blanket, very grandmotherly of her. She also said that the family was initially very welcoming to her. 
But then she talks about the loneliness of being in the family. And after she gets pregnant with Archie, things take a really disturbing turn. There were concerns from a senior family member who Megan nor Harry named about how dark Archie's skin might be when, uh, when he was born. And despite us all thinking, at least my thinking, that it was Harry and Megan's choice to not give Archie a title, which is totally, by the way, how it was presented in 2019, it was actually the firm's choice to do so, as well as not give him security protection because of his lack of title. There is one thing that I absolutely do not want us to do, and that is speculate as to who the senior member of the family was that made the abhorrent comment about the color of Archie's skin. That is damaging and can't and can go nowhere because all it is is speculation. Now, Harry did tell Oprah, and she revealed this on CBS this morning on Monday, that it was not the queen and that it was not Philip. So we know that. So yeah. are you saying that Harry told Oprah the name of the person or he told Oprah it wasn't Harry or it wasn't Philip or the queen? He never told Oprah the name of the person. Okay. He but just he, confirmed it wasn't. Right. He just said, you know, if there's any way that you can make it clear that it was not my grandmother or my grandfather, then I would appreciate it. And so she did that. It wasn't, it wasn't recorded on tape. Um, because Oprah asked Megan who it was. Megan wouldn't say. She asked Harry who it was. Harry wouldn't say. And so I assume that once the camera stopped rolling, that Oprah probably talked to them and maybe pressed a little bit more. And he still wouldn't say. Harry wouldn't say. And mm -hmm. But he did say, it wasn't my grandmother. It wasn't my grandfather. So I have thoughts about this all day long. But I just think it's reductive to speculate do you agree? Absolutely. I don't think that's fair to do that. I don't. And I have thoughts. I'm sure many of our listeners have thoughts and that's fine, but my thoughts will stay thoughts on that one. So um, I, I do have things to say, but I'm not going to say it. So anything um, you'd like to comment on that allegation? Um, well, I'll comment on the titles and, um, and security. I do have thoughts on that. So I do know that Megan, um, you know, was talking about why he wasn't given a title and, and she was saying that the palace was trying to change the traditions. Um, but, you know, Rachel, I've done a little bit of research this week and I've listened to, um, you know, other reports on this and, and what people have had to say, and I have to disagree. Um, I think Megan is banking on most of the public, primarily the American public, not knowing the royal family's traditions and customs, um, you know, because I don't think she's trying to win over the British public right now. I think she's moved on from that. Um, but the truth is that none of the queen's great grandchildren have formal titles or security except for William's kids because they're um, you know, indirect line to the throne. Um, and this goes back to King George back in 1917. He issued an order um, trying to slim down the list of those with formal titles um, to only 
So it would only be the grandchildren of the son in direct line to the throne, which would be William's kids today, because William will be king one day. Um, and so, you know, we've talked before about other royal families trying to narrow down who can have these titles and, and be in these working roles. Um, and the queen's great grandchildren are August Berksbank, Mia Tyndall, Lena Tyndall, Savannah Phillips, Isla Phillips, Archie, and then, um, you know, Megan and Harry's new baby will be a great grandchild. And none of these children have formal titles or roles within the formal uh, within the royal family, um, and none of them receive security. So it's actually the queen's grandchildren who have these formal titles. So you have Prince Harry, Princess Eugenie, Princess Beatrice, Lady Louise, um, and James, who is Viscount. And um, then, you know, of course, we know Princess Anne opted for her children, Zara and Peter, not to have titles. Um, so Archie is not the queen's grandson. He is the queen's great-grandson, and he falls in line with all of those other great-grandchildren who do not have formal titles. Um, and I also read somewhere, and I, I did not know this, um, and, and so if you know, tell me if this is right. Listeners, let me know. But I read that actually the way it works is Archie would be eligible for a prince title if Harry and Meghan wanted him to have one when Charles takes the throne because he's Charles' grandson. That is correct. So I don't know, like, you know, all of this stuff about, you know, all these different reasons for why he wasn't given a title and they were trying to change tradition and all that. I mean, that seems pretty, pretty public knowledge that that just doesn't add up. That's not the case. Okay, so I have some thoughts on this too that I'm going to process out loud. And I, I realized, and, and look, Jessica and I are not taking sides, listeners. Like, I need you to know this. We are just discussing this. We are still processing this right along with you. We're trying to understand it like all of you. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, we might. Sides here. Right. Like, we're not, like, it's not like Jessica is one team and I'm one team and you know we're having a debate here that's not what's happening we're we're trying to be objective but also share our opinions this is not an enviable job right now I just need you to know that but I realized that what I'm about to say makes it seem like I'm quote-unquote against Harry and Meghan and anybody that knows me knows that that is not the case but I'm just going to bring up what I've seen brought up many times and that is first of all you can maybe it's just me reading into this and I need to watch the interview again because there's so much here like I could watch it 10 times and see something new but I got the vibe that when Harry came because of course the interview starts with just Megan and Oprah and then Harry joins at about the one hour mark ish and um when when Oprah brings up this com this horrible comment that was made I can see Harry grimace like, oh God, I can't like almost like it felt to me. And of course I have no confirmation of this, but it felt to me like, oh my gosh, I can't believe she brought that up. And also I've been reading a lot about there being some inconsistency as to when the comment was said, because Megan said that it was said when she was pregnant, but then Harry came on and said it was said when they first started dating like mm -hmm. I mean it's a it's a disgusting comment that never should have been made Megan well, and and I you know really my 
thoughts around all of this wasn't even really to to get into speculations around that because I know we said we weren't going to go there I just wanted listeners to understand that all of the great-grandchildren and all of the grandchildren are on the same playing field here it looks to me like they're all being treated equally with the exception of the Cambridge kids right but that's that's to be expected because William is going to be king yeah I mean I think people are how, how do I say this not like I think people are looking at it as if William and Harry are the only two mm-hmm. grandchildren of the queen they where, are they're looking at it as they're being treated differently but it's that's not the case right and and William is being treated differently and his children would be treated differently because he's the heir to the throne so the problem would lie and again like I need to make this clear that like and I don't even need to feel like we need to say this obviously it's a disgusting comment that never should have been said but the facts are that comparing William and Harry it's it's not a comparison because it's the heir and the spare now if if all of the like if August Brooks Bank or the Tyndall girls or you know any of the other grandchildren's kids had titles and Archie didn't now that's a problem right right but so the, and, and also I will say that you know in Megan's defense she did say that the which this is even more disturbing that the comment about the skin tone was made on multiple occasions. So, you know, her saying it happened during the pregnancy and Harry say it, saying it happened at the beginning of their relationship. Well, she kind of made it sound like it happened multiple times. So, okay, I, I absolutely refuse to speculate on who that seemed, not because of anything other than that goes nowhere, you know? Right. Um, so, okay, I do have thoughts on security. Do you have any other thoughts on on the issue of the titles before I go to that? No, I don't. Okay. So regarding the security, from what I have learned this week in my in my research, um, it's I can't remember it was there was a podcast or a, um, a news article or something that I read explaining this, and I can't remember where I heard it, but they they basically said, it's tax dollars that pay for royal security. So when a royal travels outside of the UK to a Commonwealth country, that country's tax dollars would cover the cost of security. So, you know, like if uh, Princess Anne wanted to travel to Australia, um, Australia's tax dollars would pay for her security while she was there. So when you have Harry and Meghan who say, we're going to step back from these roles and these royal duties, and we're not going to be working on behalf of the queen anymore. And we're going to move to another country. Um, you have to understand why it doesn't seem reasonable that UK tax dollars would pay for their security at that point. Um, I mean, we're talking millions of dollars that I think should stay in the UK and serve the citizens who pay taxes there. That's an interesting point. I mean, and now look, if they remained in the UK and um, and they were working in some capacity for the crown, I can understand um, them needing security there. But I think when you step out of that role and you move to another country, you cannot expect that UK tax dollars would pay for your security. 
you know what I'm thinking of right now, and I've thought of this so much since Sunday, is these are Diana's sons. Diana, I, I said this, you know, on my social media, I'm not going to write a public article about it, but when, and I think I've even said it on this podcast, to be honest with you, when Diana and Charles divorced in 1996, August 28th, 1996, their divorce was finalized. 368 days later, Diana was dead in a Paris, well, she didn't die in the Paris tunnel, but she was dead after an accident in a Paris tunnel. And when they divorced in 1996, she lost her HRH title. And along with that, she lost her security detail provided by the royal family. And I will always maintain that had Diana had that security, she never would have been in that car with that drunk driver in that situation. And so why this troubles me is because I hear your argument and I respect it, but because of his position in the family, he is a target and it's not really of his choice. And I think that he should be protected. Should the taxpayers have to pay for that protection if he moves out of the country? I don't think so, but that's when private funds could come into play from the family to cover that and keep them safe because they were so stalked by the press. And I think the family could have had his back. Now I'm talking about the family now, not the institution, the family. Could and I, I think that you raise a very good point. Um, I do really sympathize with Harry um, and, and what he's gone through. And, and I can imagine the fear that he has around um, you know, press and the protection of himself and his family. So I think, I think you raise a great point. And I do think maybe that would be a consideration for um, the family to um, talk through even maybe how they may provide some, some level of security or some support for security um, at a private level. I, I think that's a really good point. Thank you. And I just, feel like I just feel like we're like spying on a family's drama which is exactly what we're doing but I just feel like Harry probably felt very literally unprotected by his family like thrown out with the wash you know and that's that that hurts because that is your family at the end of the day and after what happened to his mother that's that's tough yeah do we have anything else to say about this? Um, I feel like we covered both sides there. Okay, well, it doesn't get any easier, spoiler alert. So now, so then Megan details her struggles with mental health. And I, I wanna, on behalf of both of us, interject here and say that mental health issues are absolutely 100% real and valid and should never be ignored, ever. So if you need help, there are resources out there for you or a loved one. I'm just gonna put this here. You can reach the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255.
or text HOME to 741-741 for free 24-hour support via text. So back to the interview. Megan went to the firm to get help, she said, and they basically denied that request. So eventually she told Harry in her words, quote, I was ashamed to say it at the time and ashamed to have to admit it to Harry, but I knew that if I didn't say it, then I would do it. I just didn't want to be alive anymore. She continued, quote, that was clear and real and frightening and constant thought. Megan said she, quote, thought it would have solved everything for everyone. So I'm the daughter of two mental health professionals. And that right there, that statement is 100% a something someone that is clinically depressed would say um, that it would have been easier for everyone had she not been there. She recalled a January 2019 outing to see a performance at Royal Albert Hall after she had opened up to Harry about her thoughts. And she said, quote, I remember him saying, I don't think you can go, meaning I don't think you can go to the performance at Royal Albert Hall. And I said, I can't be left alone. Megan said she can see in photos from the night that Harry is tightly holding her hand despite their smiles. Quote, we're both just trying to hold on, she said. And that's, I think, so important for people to remember is you have no idea what's going on for someone behind closed doors. No idea. Even the people that smile and shine the brightest lights, you need to have compassion for what it actually is actually potentially going on. That takes so much courage to admit you need help, she said. Megan said every time the lights would go down in the royal box, she would weep. So according to Megan, nothing was ever done, so they had to find a solution. She didn't want to live her life in fear anymore. She said, quote, and if that comes with the risk of losing things, I mean, I've lost, there's a lot that's been lost already. I've lost my father. I lost a baby. I nearly lost my name, but I'm still standing. And my hope for people and the takeaway from this is to know that there's another side to know that life is worth living and after that, the step back happened. So thoughts on this. It's very difficult to, to hear and difficult to repeat. You're right. Yeah, it is. And I feel for anyone who, um, you know, has experienced or is experiencing something like that. Um, you know, that's, that's really tough to hear anytime, um, you know, anytime someone talks about that. And, and I certainly hope that she feels she is in a better place now. And, um, and it's not, you know, feeling those same struggles. Um, I hope that they've been able to, to find some peace and happiness, um, together. Um, you know, I did, I know she said she, she asked for help and, and was denied help. And I'm, I'm wondering, um, you know, what was really going on there? There's a lot that I don't understand when it comes to the institution or the firm and, and how they work. Um, I don't know who she reached out to or, or why they were not able to connect her through their network. I don't know if it was, you know, something like you had to be on payroll to get connected to someone. But we, I mean, we all know that Prince Charles, Prince Harry, and Princess Diana have all had therapy um I you know. know that's so confounding to me 
they've all been to therapy. They've all had help in the past with this. And Harry is such a champion for mental health awareness and treatment. So I thought it was very, you know, interesting that he said he was embarrassed to seek help for his wife. Um, you know, I would have thought that that would have been something he, um, you know, if whoever Megan reached out to, you know, maybe they weren't a senior enough person and, and didn't know how to connect her. I would have thought that he would have known how to get her connected. And I find it just really, really hard um, to think that the, you know, they wouldn't have been able to get her help if she really needed it. I think it's so hypocritical that William, Kate, and Harry have all advocated for mental health and have all, well, William and Harry anyway, been vocal about their struggles with it, yet the firm said it would be a bad look for Megan to get help. I mean, would, would it not be a, a worse look for Megan to commit suicide? I mean, this is a woman's life here. And whoever that staffer was that could look a woman or anyone in the eyes who is clearly struggling and say, I can't help you because you're not on the payroll and then never follow up, you should be ashamed of yourself, whoever you are. And if anybody knows who this person is and this person isn't fired, what is wrong with you? And something I've struggled with, and I don't have the answer, again, realizing that there's, you know, Harry and Meghan's side, the rest of the family side, and the truth somewhere in between, probably. I can't imagine that the queen lays down and dies as much as Harry and Meghan made it out. That's, that's like a turn of phrase, not literally lays down and dies. But I can't imagine that the queen is so acquiescent to the firm and the institution as they say that mm -hmm. she is. This is the queen. Right. I mean, if the queen said jump, her courtier should say how high, I mean, it, hypothetically, right? And maybe it was because Megan didn't know, I mean, there's no excuse for this, but maybe it was because Megan didn't know the proper procedure. But if someone comes to me, let me put myself in the shoes of that staffer. Megan comes to me or anybody, I don't care who it is, if it's the Duchess of Sussex or, you know, someone, you know, mopping the floor, I don't know. If someone comes to me and says, look, I'm really like, has the courage to come to me and say, I'm struggling with my mental health. I don't care if it's out of my job description, I'm gonna find that person some help. Mm -hmm. And I know that, you know, the UK, which I adore, I'm not knocking the country, but there is the culture of the stiff upper lip that we hear about. And that is what it is. But look, if someone is needing help, you help them, bottom line. And if, if it, it troubles me, that we heard the palace speak out about launching an investigation into the bullying claims three years later, but 
not about this. We haven't heard, we'll talk about that later about their statement today um, or lack thereof really. But bottom line is if someone comes to you in confidence saying, I need help, you get them help. The end. I agree, um, you know, that it's a very serious issue and um, I don't know what happened here. I, again, I feel like Harry had to have, should have been able to know where she could go to get help. Um, I don't, I just, I don't know. Some, the, Somebody the, should have helped her. Sorry. Um, and, and I, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know why it was handled this way. It's, it's just so upsetting. So at this point in the interview, Harry joins the conversation and thank God for this moment, because after the, after the skin tone comment and after Megan saying that she had suicidal thoughts, I think all of us needed this breath of fresh air. So Harry reveals that Megan is having a girl this summer, which is so exciting. And Harry's reaction when he cheered, you know, that little cheer, as he told Oprah, is possibly the most adorable thing I've ever seen. So he also said that baby number two is it. They're done after this. So Harry had a lot to say. He said, quote, this constant barrage, my biggest concern was history repeating itself. And I've said that before on numerous occasions, very publicly, adding, quote, what I was seeing was history repeating itself, but more perhaps or definitely far more dangerous, adding that while his mother Diana went through the same scenario, she didn't have to combat racial issues or social media. So Megan made it very clear that they never intended to step back. She said, quote, our plan was to do this forever. I wrote letters to his family when I got there saying, I'm dedicated to this, I'm here for you, use me as you'd like. There was no guidance as well. And there were certain things that you couldn't do, but you know, unlike what you see in the movies, there's no class on how to speak, how to cross your legs, how to be royal. She even mentioned, I'm this, this is me talking now that she, like no one taught her the national anthem. I mean, real, you know, because this doesn't happen very often that an American joins the family. Back to Megan's quote, there's none of that training that might exist for other members. So, I mean, like from an HR point of view here, it just sounds like there's some onboarding that needs to be done. Like I need the firm, the institution to have like, like a CEO class, like go to Harvard Business School or something. Like send, send someone, send a private secretary to Harvard Business School. Like somebody help these people, please. So um, despite his exit, their step back, Harry said that his relationship with the queen is strong, which is good news. He said, quote, I have spoken more with my grandmother in the last year than I have done in many, many years. My grandmother and I have a really good relationship and a good understanding. He also made clear that no, I never blindsided my grandmother about when they chose to step back, which was certainly what was reported. He said, I have too much respect for her. He later added, when you're the head of the firm, there's people around you that give you advice. And what has also made me really sad is that some of that advice has been really bad. I just go back to the point that this is the queen of England <laughs> and she's not a weak woman. No one would say that about her, okay? She's been doing this job for a very long time. 
while I'm sure she listens to the advice of her courtiers and private secretaries and staffers, I think that she, I can't imagine a world in which she did not have the final say. So any, what would you like to say about, about I'm just glad to hear they have a good relationship. Um, well, <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be so good after this. Well, I, yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> um, I mean, I agree. You would think that she would have the final say, but then I also think about, you know, when you look at like a big company and you have the person at the top, a lot of times like they're not involved in the day-to-day -day of what's going on at the bottom because they're trusting that those people are carrying out their duties, you know, and, and people try not to, you know, involve the person at the top as much as they can because they've got a lot on their plate and, and you don't want to stress them out. And, and she's older and she's not retired, but I would imagine, you know, she's passed on a lot of responsibilities to other people that, you know, she's able to, and, and then she manages, you know, what she can. And, and it's been, um, you know, a, a, a busy last, what, five, you know, even five years or 10 years um, in the royal family with all these royal weddings and new brides coming on. And there's so many different things going on at so many different times. Um, I don't, I don't think this is something that we um, can really blame her majesty for I'm or blaming her like i want to make that clear i'm not blaming her majesty this is this is a much bigger than her i just want to make that clear yeah yeah um so i mean i don't know i think it's reasonable to think that she may not have been aware of of some things going on and i don't think that that's a bad reflection of her um it's just i, I mean you know i think that happens in a lot of um business environments so then this, this broke my heart. As for his father, Charles, Harry said around the time of the step back, Charles stopped taking his calls. And that's just really disappointing on multiple levels. But of the Prince of Wales, Harry said, quote, there's a lot to work through there. I feel really let down because he's been through something similar. He knows what pain is like and, he's, and Archie's his grandson. Harry continued, of course, I will always love him but there's a lot of hurt that's happened and I will continue to make it one of my priorities to try and heal that relationship. And then William, I feel like he touched, Harry touched on everyone. Harry said the relationship is quote space at the moment, but he loves William to bits. We've been through hell together, of course, talking about losing their mother and you know, time heals all things, hopefully. Then of Diana, he said, quote, I think she would feel very angry with how this has panned out and very sad, but ultimately all she'd ever want is for us to be happy. He said that after he was cut off financially from his father's side of the family, he brought what my mom left me, talking about the inheritance that Diana provided William and Harry. And without that, he said, we would not have been able to do this, meaning leave the family and move to Canada and then California. So touching back on what my mother would think of this, I think she saw it coming. I certainly felt her presence throughout this whole process. You know, for me, I'm just really relieved and happy to be sitting here talking to you with my wife by my side because I can't begin to imagine what it must have been like for my mother going through this process by herself all those years ago. And that really has struck me too because I think often of Diana's 1995 Panorama interview, which after that interview, that was the final straw. So keep in mind that Charles and Diana had been separated since 1992. 
I think everybody was okay with them just being separated and never divorcing, or at least not divorcing for a long time. They were living separate lives. Charles was with Camilla. Diana was with dating other people. She was dating Hasnot Khan and other people, and but they weren't divorced. And then Diana did the Panorama interview with Martin Bashir. And the contents of that were so explosive that the queen said, that's it, divorce. And they did, they divorced. And she went through what she went through alone. And as bad and painful as what Harry and Meghan are going through, and there's no way to deny that it is bad and painful, I'm thankful that they have each other. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I, you know, it's hard to, to think back on those times and, um, and it's, it's the whole thing is really sad. I mean, you know, we know what Princess Diana went through and um, it's just heartbreaking to think that his relationship with William is um, really broken at this point in time, um, you know, and, and his father too, you know, it's like, you know, he's lost his mother and now in, in a way he's lost his father and, and brother for the time being. Um, yeah. It's heartbreaking. It is. It's heartbreaking. And we've all had family issues, but the difference is our family issues haven't played out on an international stage. And this is, it's easy to look at these people and just see them as a prince or, you know, as the future king or as the Duke of Sussex or whatever, but these are real people and this is his real family. And it's really, really heartbreaking. So Megan recalled, quote, I was sitting in Nottingham Cottage and the Little Mermaid came on. And who is an adult really watches the Little Mermaid, but it came on and I was like, well, I'm here all the time. I might as well watch this. And I went, oh my God, she falls in love with the prince. And because of that, she loses her voice. And of course, drawing a parallel to herself, falling in love with the prince and losing her voice. Later, Oprah asked Megan, so your story with the prince does have a happy ending, to which Megan said it does, greater than any fairy tale you've ever read. She continued, now because we are actually on the other side, we actually not just survived, but are thriving. Also worth noting, Harry mentioned that 72 members of parliament spoke out defending him and Meghan, but no one from the family did. They also touched um, in the interview on the odd relationship between the media and the palace, which this is, you know, I mean, I didn't know most of this, but I, I didn't know this at all. Um, there is a level of control by fear that has existed for generations, Harry said he talked about how I find this insanely bizarre that according to them, uh, the Sussexes that the family throws the tabloids Christmas parties. <laughs> that, <laughs> that I, I, that's completely nonsensical to me. <laughs> and the, uh, my only thought on that is, um, you know, they know that the press will report about them one way or then uh, one way or another, whether it's a you know a good report or a bad report. And I don't know, maybe this is their way of trying to own that relationship and create some sort of 
positive relationship and influence the narrative a little bit. I, I feel like maybe they feel like you can't not have a relationship with the tabloids and the media. It's either going to be good or bad. So, you know, try to make it good. Um, <laughs> I don't know, but I didn't know that either. And that was a surprise to learn. Kind of like keep your friends close and your enemies closer type situation. I mean, but I just, I mean, you have to have some kind of strength to have the people that dog you day in and day out in the tabloids over to your house and throw a party with them. I mean, that's just, yeah. and then you also have to have some kind of cojones for lack of a better term to be the tabloids to write so much garbage about these people day in and day out and then have the audacity to show up at their house for a Christmas party. Like yeah. <laughs> what? Uh, that, that whole situation is toxic, but Harry also said that Charles and William, because of their roles as heirs to the throne, are trapped, and that if he and Meghan had gotten support, they'd still be working members of the family. So some levity and lightheartedness. They also revealed that lately Archie has been saying hydrate and drive safe, mm. adorable. And then, of course, they had that uh, black and white video of, of them on the beach with him. He's just getting so big. And um, that they are really proud of their decision and that the decision to start a new life saved Megan's life. So then yesterday, Oprah followed up on CBS this morning. And again, we've said this before, made it clear that the senior member of the family who made the comments about the color of Archie's skin was not the queen, nor was it Philip, but Harry still refused to reveal who it was. And also yesterday, Monday, Misan Harriman, who took the photo of Harry and Meghan announcing her second pregnancy, shared another photo he took of the couple, this time with Meghan holding Archie in her arms. It's a beautiful shot. So, um, okay, close, <laughs> closing thoughts, and then we'll talk about the statement that was released today. Do you want to share your closing thoughts first? Okay. Um, so if I'm being honest, I didn't want to watch this interview. Um, I wanted to turn the other way and I didn't want to get caught up in the mass media control of public opinion. Um, but given my role on this podcast, I knew that I owed our listeners part two of the story, which are my takeaways and as much research as I could find on what wasn't covered. While watching the interview unfold, I felt really sad. Um, my heart hurt. Um, and it may not be for the reason that you think. My heart really hurt for the people who were victimized and attacked by allegations made in the interview. Um, much like I don't approve of tabloids printing falsehoods, I don't approve of attacking the character of people who were not present to defend themselves and were not given an opportunity to prepare for these allegations um, that weren't backed up or validated by context and details. Um, this is my opinion, um, and I felt like it was an attack on, on their family members, um, more so than the institution. We know that the institution has some work to do, um, but I felt this interview was really damaging, and it wasn't really any better than the nasty press that Megan claims is so toxic. And that's really the irony of it all. If you know the pain caused by having your reputation destroyed and not being able to speak up and defend yourself, why would you turn around and cause the same hurt to people in your own family? Rumors are swirling now more than ever. And I just wonder, is this really the outcome that they were hoping for? 
It's created a terrible situation, and I don't know how Harry will mend his relationship with his family after this, although I truly hope for his sake that he's able to do that one day. Um, and those are my thoughts that I don't know that I have um, the same takeaway that everyone who watched this interview did, um, but I really felt like it just wasn't fair to the family um, who, who was not able to prepare for this and who was really, really kind of, you know, attacked by a lot of these claims. And, and as Harry and Megan said themselves, you know, they said that they're not, um, that they're somewhat trapped by the system themselves. I don't know that they're gonna be able to respond to this and that I don't think is fair. Um, so those were my final thoughts on this. And I, I hope that we all can, can learn from this, um, this whole experience um, and, and try really hard to take the high road and, and be the better person in these situations. That's beautiful, Jessica. So my closing thoughts, bottom line for me, is something within the institution must change. It is impossible to defend an institution that is racist when a, no matter what, but especially when a hugely large portion of the Commonwealth, the monarchy serves is located in Africa and across the Caribbean. I fully expect that there will be gigantic geopolitical ramifications from the interview. It is also, and we've never talked about this on the podcast, impossible to defend Andrew continuing to have his honorary military appointments while Harry was stripped of his, to have the palace investigate charges of bullying against Meghan while not investigating rape allegations against Andrew. I mentioned this earlier. I, also don't understand William, Kate, and Harry's public commitment to mental health being what it is, while the powers that be in the institution will not allow a clearly depressed and suicidal Megan to seek the help she needed and deserved. As if I have any power in this situation, but if I did, I would call for a complete reform of the firm, firing of senior aides, new policies put in place across the board, literal total reform. If we think of this like a company, like if we heard that, you know, I'm not going to pick on a company, but like a Fortune 500 company was doing this, we would have an outcry and we should. And we should do the same for the monarchy. I fear that if this does not happen, the monarchy will not last. And more so if these reforms do not happen as much as I truly adore the royal family. I mean, I co-host a royal family podcast. I love the royal family, but as much as I do, I believe if these reforms don't happen, I believe the monarchy should not last. I need to know who is advising these people and why anyone thinks this questionable decision-making is okay. I've said that so many times about their PR strategy. As someone who works in communications, I've said who is advising these people because whoever is, is doing a terrible job. I would also call for accountability on the family's part, particularly, of course, Andrew. He will always be a blood royal. You can't take that away from him. But the fact that the official Royal Family Instagram page 
gave Andrew a birthday greeting. On the exact same day, February 19th, they stripped Harry and Meghan of the rest of their royal duties permanently is honestly disgusting. But it's always been done this way is no longer acceptable. There has to be change. We have literally reached the point of change or cease to exist. I truly feel in my soul that this is a moment that was meant to happen, as painful as it is, and that only a love story like Harry and Meghan's could see, I pray, this sweeping change of the monarchy through to fruition like this. It is so painful right now, but if the monarchy steps up to the plate, as I hope and pray it does, it could produce so much good and could take this institution into the next generations and generations and generations there is still a chance to right the ship but the ship is sinking and we are running out of time so those are my closing thoughts so then today buckingham palace released a statement this is my opinion if you want to call it that i think um staying silent would probably have been better than what they put out but i'm sure they felt the pressure to say something and it reads, and I will read it in full because it is so short, um, quote, the whole family is saddened to learn the full extent of how challenging the last few years have been for Harry and Meghan. The issues raised, particularly that of race, are concerning. Whilst some recollections may vary, they are taken very seriously and will be addressed by the family privately. Harry, Meghan, and Archie will always be much loved family members. So. I wanna share my thoughts and then obviously I wanna hear yours. I don't understand why this is being addressed privately. I mean, I guess, you know, maybe they're not trying to fight fire with fire here, but it is a public institution. And is it just me or is that language basically accusing Harry and Meghan of dishonesty? There's also no mention of the mental health aspect of the interview. Um, also, I noticed from the February 19th statement, the statement about Harry and Meghan no longer being working members of the royal family permanently, they were referred to in that statement as the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. In today's statement, they are just Harry and Meghan. So what does that mean? Does that mean anything? So what do you think, Jess? Yeah, I mean, you know, you and I did see this come out earlier today and we both were kind of like, you know, maybe they shouldn't really have released a statement at all. Um, I kind of feel like they knew that they couldn't be silent and, and not put a statement right. out there, but I don't think they have determined how to handle it because, I mean, you and I both know that was a jam-packed two hours. And oh, yeah. there were claims made against the institution, but there were also, um, you know, attacks on, on the character of personal family members, um, the immediate family as well. And there's all these different angles. And, and I think the palace was struggling to get a message out there in a timely manner and not knowing what approach to take. And I think they felt like they had to put something out there and this was the best they came up with. I, I wonder if we'll see more come out in the coming days or weeks, um, you know, following this, I, you know, I, I don't know. Um, it's kind of left us all hanging wondering. Um, I mean, you know, regarding the Harry, Meghan and Archie comment, I think the 
critique of the last one in February was that the Duke and Duchess of Sussex sounded cold and you know maybe this was an attempt to sound warm and 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 refer to them in you know that's their a good point that's a good point over and over again that they want to just be Harry and Meghan. So um, I don't think we should analyze that part too much, but um, I'll be curious to see what comes out in the coming days and weeks from the palace for sure. You and I said this to each other. What a time to be a royal reporter. <laughs> <laughs> yes, again, we did not sign up for this. We wanted to have no. <laughs> when we started this in November, we knew they'd stepped back, but we had no idea that any of this was going to happen. So my gosh. Um, I am so, so I woke up Monday emotionally hungover from Sunday night, and I just was so scattered yesterday, and after this conversation, as respectful as it was, and Jessica, I want to applaud you, I think that was a really, I, I think we said our piece, but we did it respectfully. I think and, so, I applaud you as well, you had a lot of really great points, and um, and I really appreciated hearing your perspective on this, and I hope yeah. our listeners also appreciated that we we tried to we tried to play, you know, share both sides here um, and make sure that we covered that for everyone and, and keep it neutral. And, um, and I think, I feel like we did it pr pretty well as I well. I feel as like we did it too. I'm really proud of us. And I have bitten off three of my nails during this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I am not kidding. Um, I am, my nails are looking very rough. And so, um, but any, any, any final thoughts on all of this? I mean, you know, we said like a couple of weeks ago, my gosh, so much can happen in a week and we had no idea what was in store for us. So any final thoughts and, you know, where do we go from here? I mean, I think we just, um, I think, you know, we, we get back to our, our normal royal reporting and we take it day by day. And, um, you know, my thoughts are really just, again, um, very saddened and heartbroken by the entire situation on all fronts. Um, my, um, my heart hurts for everyone in this situation because I don't think anyone came out of this um, unharmed in some way. Yeah. And, and so no I, I win. No one yeah. wins here. I hope in the future um, they can certainly mend those relationships. We just pray for peace for all. And you know, we'll continue to unpack this in the weeks and months to come. So thank you. My gosh, thank you for tuning into episode 15 of Podcast Royal. That's one for the books. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just so, I'm just sad, Jessica. I'm just sad. Um, anyway, this seems reductive to do my normal closing, but here I go. Follow us on Instagram. I'll try to sound happy as we leave <laughs> this episode. Follow us on Instagram at Podcast Royal. Email us at hellopodcastroyal at gmail.com. And please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. We appreciate you so much, listeners. We know you're in this with us, and I'm sure you're feeling emotionally drained, too. We will chat with you next week and uh, gosh, wonder what we'll be talking about a week from today. Bye. Bye.